Hi there, everyone. Michael O'Brien here from the Oracular School of Astrology with a brand new bit of excitement that we've been planning for quite some time now, which is our Planetary Pairs Astrology Series. In this series, I'm going to go through all of the pairs of classical planets, as well as all of the pairs of classical points within our astrology. And I should clarify classic because when I'm referring to classic, I'm not just referring to the seven planets in the Chaldean order, which are Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Sun, Venus, Mercury, and the Moon, but I'm also referring to pairs that include Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. This is something I've been wanting to do for quite some time, and honestly, I was trying to think about a type of content to come out with that really resonated deeply with me. And as I looked around the astrological kingdom, I saw other people coming out with video series on the 12 signs of the zodiac. But if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I'm not really a 12 signs of the zodiac sort of astrologer. So I really was very apprehensive. I don't know if that's the word, but I was really stressed out about this thought of coming out with something that I felt would have more of an individual touch, but I definitely did not want it to be the 12 signs of the zodiac. And while I can talk about the 12 signs of the zodiac for quite a bit, I can wax poetic about the signs of the zodiac as well. I think that in terms of where astrology should be moving towards the future, instead of centralizing the signs as a major piece of our interpretation, we should be trying as an astrological community to understand the planets in a deeper, more intimate way. And that's what this is about. This series on the planetary pairs is all about teaching you what it means when two stellar factors come together and what the combinations of those stellar influences actually indicates. Now, if this is your first time joining us here on the Oraculos podcast, I just want to invite you to take a moment and hit subscribe wherever you find us across the internet, whether that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We're currently on a mission to manifest 12,000 subscribers by the end of November 2023 because we make really amazing astrological content over here on the Oraculos podcast. So if you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe, as well as if you're listening on YouTube, hit the notification bell so that you can stay in the loop of when we come out with these videos on basically a daily basis. Now, without further ado, we're going to dive into our first stellar consideration for today, which is going to be the midheaven. Now, there is a little bit more ado because the reason why we're going through with this planetary pair series is in preparation for our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this coming January 2024. Uranian astrology is a powerful system of concrete event-based astrology that allows us to get to the very heart of what our charts are saying based on the relationship between multiple planets within our chart. And a lot of the relationships that we find between planets within the context of Uranian astrology are relationships that we would otherwise miss. 
So Uranian astrology gives us a wonderful means of putting our chart under the microscope so that we can find a lot of these microplanetary patterns that we would normally miss if we were looking at our chart from a more classical context. So if you want to practice astrology that is far more concrete, that's more accurate, and that's also focused on predicting concrete events within the lives of your clients, then by all means, join us for our upcoming Uranian astrology for the Practicing Astrologer Intensive, which begins this January 2024. Someone asked me what my definition of a practicing astrologer is, and really, at the most basic level, as an astrologer, you should be able to easily identify aspects. So if you're wondering what the prerequisite for you is in terms of joining this intensive, can you easily identify aspects within a chart? Not by using the funky lines in the middle of the screen, not by using the aspectarian, but can you look at the chart and easily and rapidly identify the aspects within that chart? And if the answer is yes, then join us this coming January. And also if the answer is no, what do we have? We have like what is that? 4, 8, 12. We have 12 more weeks before the intensive starts. So you have a lot of time to freshen up that part of your astrological skill set because aspects is really where the meat of our astrological interpretation lies. Now, without further ado, we're going to dive into our Planetary Pairs lecture series starting with the Midheaven. Do enjoy. Now, within a traditional astrological context, we tend to think of the midheaven as only representing our career specifically. But I think even before we dive into what the midheaven represents symbolically, we have to have an understanding of what the midheaven represents in general. So when we speak about the angles within our chart, we're referring to two things. One, we're referring to our local horizon and how that intersects the ecliptic. And the ecliptic is a not so common word that we tend to use for the zodiac. So within traditional Western tropical astrology, when we talk about the zodiac, we could basically swap the word zodiac for ecliptic because technically these two terms tend to be synonymous for us within a tropical astrological context. So our ascendant, comes from the crossing of our local horizon with the zodiac. If you were to stand wherever you were born and look due east at the exact moment of your birth, that place where the horizon meets the actual sky at exactly due east is going to be your ascendant. And that's what the ascendant is within our birth charts. And this is a part of why, from a Uranian astrology context, the ascendant has to do with our environment. Whereas in traditional astrology, we tend to think of the ascendant as representing the person who has the chart and their likes, their dislikes, their psychological constitution and all of these things combined. From a Uranian astrology perspective, the ascendant has to do with the environment and what impact the environment has on a person when they are born. And it's because that just kind of makes sense. When we think about our physical ascendant, or when we think about what our ascendant represents within our chart, it has to do with where our physical environment on earth intersects with the heavens. And that crossing point of 
due east on our physical horizon with the zodiac is what we call our ascendant within our chart. So a Uranian astrologer is going to use your ascendant to be descriptive of some of the fundamental early childhood experiences you would have had coming into this world which is why very often when people have a planet that is exactly conjunct their ascendant, that planet is very often descriptive of the home environment that they came from. When people have Venus conjunct their ascendant, they tend to come from a home environment that's more creative or more artistic where art and beauty are emphasized within their environment. When people have Uranus, for example, conjunct their ascendant, they tend to come from an environment where there was either a lot of moving in their household because one or two of their parents worked for the army or the military, and as a result of that, they constantly were in a state of movement growing up as children. Children, and so they don't really have the most stable relationship to the environment. Or there could have been a story of divorce within that family when we have Uranus conjunct the ascendant. And as a result of that divorce within their family, they have this fundamental cellular memory of coming into a world where there was separation within my environment. So these are things that we find happening when people have planets conjunct their ascendant or even planets in hard aspects to the ascendant tend to be descriptive of more environmental factors. Now, I know that today we're here to talk specifically about the midheaven, but I think it's important to talk about the ascendant because a lot of what we ascribe to the ascendant within traditional astrology, we find ourselves casting those definitions onto the midheaven from a Uranian astrology or even a cosmobiology perspective. Whereas the ascendant has this spatial relationship to the heavens, therefore it represents our physical space on this earth, our midheaven represents where our local meridian crosses the zodiac. So this meridian, which in our chart we call our midheaven, has to do with time, which is why all of us set our time for our local environment based on our local meridian. So when we speak about time zones, what we're really referring to is what local meridian does your specific city or country correspond with? Well, not necessarily country because countries can be huge, but what local meridian does your specific city correspond with? And when we talk about the midheaven, that midheaven is our local meridian at the exact moment of our birth casted within our astrological charts. So whereas the ascendant has to do with our environment, the midheaven has to do with time. It has to do with the exact moment that something occurs. Therefore, between the ascendant and the midheaven, the factor that is closer to the soul and the psyche of who all of us is, is going to be the midheaven. Now, this might be a shock, especially if you're specifically only familiar with the midheaven as a factor that's meant to represent your profession or your vocation within this lifetime. But the reality is that when we have planets that are directly conjunct our midheaven or in hard aspects to our midheaven, the reason why we tend to gravitate towards the professions that those planets indicate so strongly is because 
we tend to gravitate towards the things that are most like us. So if you have Venus conjunct your midheaven and you find yourself going into a profession that has to do with dance or art or beauty or entertainment or interior design or graphic design or something to that effect, then it stands to reason that the reason why you're gravitating towards those professions is because you yourself are a very Venusian person. It's because you live your life as an expression of art. You want to create beautiful, harmonious connections between yourself and others, and that's a part of how you're naturally moving through the world. You might be a bit of a pacifist. You want to always create a state of peace and a state of calm and a state of tranquility because to live in the opposite of that might feel very harsh to you and to your nervous system. So the reality is that we oftentimes gravitate to professions that directly reflect who we are as people, which is why when we have planets that are in a conjunction with our midheaven, then not only do those planets have a major influence on how we show up in the world psychologically, but those planets also have a major influence on the sort of profession we find ourselves gravitating towards in general. Because very often, we gravitate towards professional interests in life that most specifically correspond with who we are as people. So I'm going to be talking about the Midheaven today, but I'm also going to be talking about the Midheaven in combination with multiple planets and how those planets not only show up within our lives from a psychological perspective, but I'm also going to be talking about how those planets show up within our lives from a potential vocational perspective so that we can have a full body of information regarding how to interpret hard aspects to our Midheaven and how that manifests our our soul and psyche within this lifetime. Now, I just also want you to know that when we speak about hard aspects to the midheaven, we're not just referring to the conjunctions, the squares, and the oppositions, but we're also referring to the semi-squares and the sesquiquadrates. Now, just because I don't want to stress anybody out and talk about other smaller hard aspects combinations that we also take to the midheaven, I will leave it there and say that we are also referring to the semi-square and the sesquiquadrate, even though in Uranian astrology, we are using a half of the semi-square as well, which is 22 and a half, a half of that, which is 11 and a quarter, and also a half of that, which gives us our smallest hard aspect, which has a value of five degrees, 37 minutes and 30 seconds. The point is that from a Uranian astrological perspective, whenever planets have any of these distances between them, 5 degrees, 37 minutes and 30 seconds, 11 degrees and 15 minutes, 22 degrees and 30 minutes, 45 degrees, 90 degrees, 135 degrees, or 180 degrees, all of these manifest as concrete events within the lives of people. Now, it's a bit challenging to find some of the smaller hard aspects combinations, such as the 22 and a half, as well as the 11 and a quarter, and the five degrees, 37 minutes, and 30 seconds hard aspect. So I usually, when I'm trying to ease people into the topic of using a broader field of hard aspects within their astrology, I usually suggest that they start by integrating semi-squares and sesquiquadrates into their astrology, 
because those things tend to be very easy to identify. And if you would like to have our Oraculos cheat sheet for locating these hard aspect combinations within your chart, if you're not currently familiar with how to identify the semi-square and the sesquiquadrate, then you can sign up for our newsletter over on our website and you will have free access to all sorts of content, including our Oraculos cheat sheet. Now let's dive into the Midheaven and its combinations. So the very first thing to know is that the Midheaven itself is representing our personality. The Midheaven is standing for the word I or self because once again, whereas the Ascendant represents our environment, the Midheaven specifically represents who we are and all of the factors that go towards specifically creating us as individuals within this lifetime. And the Midheaven also gives us this word my. So when it comes to combining stellar influences, it's always useful to just take one word from each of the factors that you're trying to combine. So for example, Venus represents love. Mars represents passion. Venus and Mars together could represent passionate love. The sun represents a physical force within the universe. The sun represents the force that makes things physical. Jupiter represents wealth. Therefore, Sun and Jupiter could manifest as physical wealth in general. Similarly, the Moon also represents our mother, and Mercury, for example, represents speed and talking. So therefore, when we have Moon-Mercury in hard aspects combinations, that can represent the fast-talking mother, the very educated mother, the mother constantly on the go, or any of these combinations of ideas. So whenever you're trying to talk about the aspects between planets, no matter what those planets are, the easiest way to break down an aspect is to take one word from the two planets that you're trying to join. Mars represents power. Uranus represents instability. Therefore, Mars-Uranus can represent unstable power. Mars could also represent force. Uranus could also represent speed. Mars-Uranus could be forceful speed which is why we consider Mars-Uranus to be a combination of car accidents and accidents that lead to surgeries because there is too much force and too much speed combined and it's possibly creating a challenging set of circumstances within the life of that person or from a mundane global perspective if we're looking at it as a mundane transit. So the point of the matter is, in order for you to know how to do this planetary combination work skillfully, you really have to have some sort of understanding or some vocabulary regarding what the two planets mean that you're trying to combine, and then take one word from one planet and the other word from the other planet. And it's also helpful to have both a list of positive as well as a list of negative words for every stellar factor that you're potentially trying to combine, so that if you have them combined with each other in a lovely soft aspect, then you join your one positive word for the one planet and your one positive word for the other planet. But if you have them combined in a more harder, difficult, hard aspect combination, then you join your one challenging word for one planet and your one challenging word for the other planet. That's one of the ways how we make these things make sense. 
Now, in Uranian astrology, we take hard aspects only because hard aspects are the aspects of concrete manifestation. And we care more about concrete manifestation than we care about the background noise that soft aspects tend to create. So, in Uranian astrology, our idea is that it's not the aspect that causes planets to operate negatively together, it's whether or not there is an intrinsic level of harmony that exists within those planets themselves. Now, when it comes to adding things to the midheaven, we have to know that the midheaven doesn't necessarily have an intrinsic quality by itself because the midheaven is a mathematical and an astronomical calculated point. Therefore, we can't actually say that the midheaven is going to have a positive quality and a negative quality, but the midheaven is going to amplify whatever other planetary connections are being made to it. Let's dive into it. Now, after looking at the Midheaven by itself, the next combination is going to be the Midheaven and the Aries point. Now, we typically don't talk about the Aries point within non-Uranian astrology circles, but the Aries point is essentially zero degrees of all of the cardinal signs, and that cardinal cross is given the title of the Aries point, or the world axis within Uranian astrology. And when we talk about the Aries point and the Midheaven, what we're essentially talking about is the relationship between the self coming from the Midheaven, that's our Midheaven word, and the Aries point is indicative of the world at large. I spoke about this in a previous video before, that whenever we talk about zero degrees of the cardinal signs, we're talking about something that commonly belongs to all of us within the world at large. Therefore, if we have something within our chart standing on zero degrees of the cardinal signs or on any of the smaller hard aspect relationships to zero degrees of the cardinal signs, then that's representing a part of our chart that's connecting us with the world at large. So Midheaven Aries has to do with how we show up within the world at large, and it has to do with our physical body on the earth, which I know is a bit of a lackluster combination, but we definitely want to see other things in combination with the Midheaven and the Zero Degrees Aries in order for us to know how we are showing up in the world. So if I have Midheaven and Jupiter standing on the Aries point, then I'm showing up within the world in a very optimistic, lighthearted, successful way. I'm showing up in the world as someone who tends to manifest success wherever I go and within whatever I'm doing because Jupiter is representing optimism and success, and the Midheaven is representing my relationship to those concepts. So Midheaven Aries simply has to do with how we are embodied in the world at large, and how we ourselves are showing up in the world at large, as well as some of the mental attitudes that we carry into our worldly interactions. The next combination is the Midheaven and the Ascendant. Now, I've heard people oftentimes talk about the Ascendant Midheaven Midpoint as representing the supreme vocational combination within our charts. So if you want to know what you're going to do in this lifetime, you look up your Midheaven Ascendant Midpoint. However, if we were to take one word from the Midheaven and one word from the Ascendant, we would end up with the combination of my environment because the Ascendant is representing our environment because of what I said earlier about the Ascendant being the product of our local horizon crossing the Zodiac. Therefore, the Ascendant represents the environment in general. 
ascendant midheaven as a combination represents our specific environment. So very often when we're working with midpoints, if you have something standing on your ascendant midheaven midpoint, then that thing can oftentimes be descriptive of your physical environment within the world at large. So we find not only do we have the ascendant representing the environment in general, but midheaven ascendant is specifically representing my environment. And if we have things standing on our midheaven ascendant or our ascendant midheaven midpoint, both of which are the same thing, I just wanted to give you two ways of saying it, then that represents how we are socially connected to the world through our environment. And it can also have to do with our vocational or our professional connections to the world at large as well. So I do think the ascendant midheaven midpoint is a very important one for us to analyze in terms of life in general. And I also think it's important for us to look at from the perspective of our specific vocation. Now let's get into things that are a bit more tangible. The sun midheaven combination, if we take one word from the sun, and usually the word that we take from the sun within Uranian astrology is the body, and one word from the midheaven being my, then sun midheaven ends up being my physical body, which is a very important combination, especially from a medical astrology perspective. So if you're practicing medical astrology within a Uranian astrology context or a cosmobiology astrology context, then the sun midheaven midpoint is a very important one for you to investigate from the perspective of understanding what's going on with your physical body within this lifetime. Now, if we were to replant ourselves within a classical astrological context, the sun naturally has an analogous relationship with our 10th house in general, which is why very often when we have the sun in the 10th house, we are having more of a drive or more of a determination within this lifetime to show up powerfully within our professional endeavors. Having the sun in the 10th says that I shine within my career, my career shines within me, I identify with my career, my career is strongly identified with me because the sun in the 10th can give us that much more of a strong career orientation. Now, sun in the 10th house is slightly different from having sun conjunct the midheaven. And the reason for that is because when we speak about the midheaven, we're not referring to the entirety of the 10th house, we're specifically referring to that exact degree in the zodiac where our local meridian crosses the zodiac. And therefore, sun conjuncts the midheaven also has to do with us having a sense of solar prestige that we take into the world at large. It has to do with the projection of our ego into the world at large. And sun midheaven also has to do with us projecting our goals, our personal goals, our personal desire for fulfillment, our personal desire for embodiment onto the world at large, which is why Sun Midheaven is such a strong combination from a vocational perspective, because it says that my understanding of myself is to be a projective being within this world. And if I'm a projective being in this world, I can keep silent, I can just keep it to myself. I want to radiate, I want to express, I want to express my body and everything that's within me within my world at large. So Sun Midheaven as a combination has to do with us having a very clear sense 
of what our mission is in life and also us having a very clear sense of self-actualizing. And the reason why I use the word actualize in terms of the sun is because from an esoteric perspective, the sun has to do with the very psychic substance within our universe that allows all of us to become individualized and in radiant expression. And without the solar principle, then it stands to reason that we would all just melt into some amorphous mass of jello and we would disappear as far as our individual sense of self were concerned. So very often when we have the sun and the midheaven in hard aspect combinations, it can represent us having a very clear sense of what our goal and what our mission and what our primary objective of focus is within this lifetime. Now, something to know about the sun, which is also something worth knowing about the midheaven, which is also something worth knowing about the Aries point, which is also something worth knowing about the ascendant, is that all of these things tend to reflect the planetary combinations that they find themselves connected with. So, sun midheaven means all of the things I said a while ago, but it definitely means more if we have Mars combined with that combination. If you have a combination of Sun, Midheaven, and Mars, the thing that stands out the most within that is the Mars. And the reason for that is because, technically speaking, the Sun represents a blank canvas that appropriates unto itself whatever it is in connection with, and the Midheaven also represents a blank canvas that appropriates unto itself whatever it is in direct connection with. A blank canvas plus a blank canvas doesn't make a painting. So in order for us to understand what or how our sun midheaven combination is manifesting within the world, sure, the things I've already said about sun midheaven make sense, but we also want to see what else is directly plugged into that by hard aspect because the sun and the midheaven will amplify or magnetize the presence of those things within our lives based on the planet that is in connection with them. From a biological perspective, the sun-midheaven combination is also representing my physical body and my physical constitution, which is why from a medical astrology perspective, the sun-midheaven midpoint is one that we like to pay attention to because of the way in which it's representing our physical corporature, our physical embodiment in general. Moving on to the moon-midheaven, the moon is an interesting planet. Because from a mundane astrology perspective, the moon is representing the vox populi or the voice of the people in general. But from a natal astrology perspective, the moon is representing the women within our lives in general. So moon midheaven, and I should have said this about the sun midheaven, sun midheaven can also represent my father. So from the perspective of domestic astrology or familial astrology, when we're looking to tell what the family dynamic is within a person's particular family, investigating the sun midheaven midpoint can give us insights into that person's father because the sun is representing the father from a traditional astrological perspective and the midheaven, once again, the word from the midheaven is my. So midheaven sun or sun midheaven gives us the combination of my father and if we have Jupiter on top of that, it's my optimistic father. If we have Mars on top of that, my martial, violent, aggressive, warlike, militant father. Venus on top of that, 
my beautiful, artistic, lovely, calming father who likes to make sure everybody's having a good time. If I have Pluto on top of that, my domineering, manipulative, controlling, overwhelming father. If we have Neptune on top of that, my drunk father, <laughs> my father who is constantly inebriated and constantly unable to really show up in a very robust way within my life, within this lifetime, my disappointing father, my father who doesn't really have a sense of direction or a center of gravity. So the midheaven and the sun gives us the specific combination for my parent in terms of my father within this lifetime. Now the midheaven and the moon as a combination on the one hand, it represents our attitude towards the general public because the moon tends to represent the general public in general, but it can also represent our relationship to women within our lives in general, and it can specifically represent our relationship to our specific mother. So moon midheaven, one word from the moon, one word from the midheaven, we get the combination of my mother. So just by knowing that rule of taking one word from both factors, you really don't need to listen to me for the next 16 weeks, go through every single combination because this rule is going to apply straight across the board. Take one word from the midheaven and one word from the moon. Now, that doesn't mean that you should only have one word for the midheaven and one word for the moon. We need to have multiple words. At the minimum, you should have 10 midheaven words. And as I say that, I'm putting myself on the spot because Michael Bryan, do you have 10 midheaven words? Let's see. My, myself, <laughs> me. Well, I guess, you know, I guess all of those technically are the same word, but let's go with them. So we have my, we have personal, we have vocational, we have personality, we have soul, that's five words. Take a deep breath. <laughs> I don't even have 10 Medevin words. We also have our spiritual connection to the cosmos in general. And if the zodiac is representing the cosmos and the midheaven is representing this moment when we're born, then the midheaven also represents our spiritual connection to the cosmos in general, which is number six. We're going for it. The midheaven also represents our mission because if you have an idea of what your spiritual connection to the cosmos is, you also have a clarity in terms of what your mission is within this lifetime in general. We have three more to go and I don't know if I'm going to do it, but another word that we get from the midheaven is going to be our objective, our personal objective, which fine, you might say that's very similar to your mission, but we also get our sense of objective. Another word we get from the midheaven is direction, our sense of direction. Maybe I'm just using synonyms at this point, but it doesn't matter because we need to find 10. And the last word that we get from the midheaven is going to be our spiritual purpose within this lifetime. Maybe I said purpose already, but let's just move ahead. The point is that it's a worthy astrological exercise to make sure that you have 10 words or 10 concepts for every stellar factor. Now, the reason why it's difficult to find 10 different concepts for these mirror-like factors, such as the midheaven, which we know tends to reflect whatever it's in connection with, or the ascendant, which we know tends to reflect whatever it's in connection with, is because our primary word for the midheaven is myself. 
and our primary word for the ascendant is environment. So probably you don't need 10 words for the midheaven and the ascendant, but you do need to have 10 words for all of the other stellar factors that exist. So the next thing that we have is the midheaven moon, and once again that's representing our specific mother. It's also representing a deep sense of sentimentality that we have within ourselves. Very often people who have the moon and the midheaven in any sort of hard aspects combination tend to be people who represent a maternal role within the lives of their community. So that could either be someone who is a mother and as a result of that person being a mother extends that maternal web out to everyone around them. But it could also be someone who has a very close understanding of what the family clan is and that person has the ability to project this idea of being in a family upon everybody who they meet within their walk in this lifetime. So having the moon midheaven could also represent somebody who is a professional mother, someone who takes care of people professionally, someone who is having a deep sentimental connection to the world around them, and therefore everybody becomes their personal responsibility and everybody becomes someone for them to nurture. So all of these things represent these ideas. Having the moon midheaven could also be someone who knows how to feed people. The moon is also representing food in general and how we nourish ourselves. So sometimes having the moon and the midheaven and hard aspects combination can represent us knowing how to feed people in the world at large, which is why sometimes we find this combination also within the charts of professional cooks or chefs. So all of these things make sense for that. It has to do with having an appreciation for the home, the family, the domestic life in general. Lunar people oftentimes also have a very deep appreciation for where they come from within this world. So this could also be people who have a very deep appreciation for their ancestry, their roots, their heritage, and all of these things because the moon represents our cosmic root to the world at large. So if you have the moon conjunct the midheaven within your birth chart, then chances are you yourself are a Lunarian type of person. And being a Lunarian type of person makes you want to be a protector of others around you, but it also makes you want to hold warm, loving, compassionate space for others around you, which is great. The downfall of being a loner person is that we tend to be very moody because in the same way as the moon fluctuates, we ourselves fluctuate. And that can be a bit of a problem for us within this lifetime. It can create a sense of unreliability, especially if all you have going for you in your chart is the moon midheaven, then chances are, yes, you do love everyone. Yes, you do take care of everyone, but because you're so deeply connected to your emotions and to the non-tangible parts of yourself, then moon midheaven can also sometimes indicate that we aren't necessarily the most reliable people in the world because we roll out of bed one morning with all good intentions and then by the time as we start brushing our teeth we fall into a pit of depression and then we realize that we have to cancel the meeting that's been on the books for nine months we have to cancel the meeting because we just can't show up so being a loner person is a very tricky thing but it's also a very wonderful thing from the perspective of holding loving healing space for others which is why we so often find the moon midheaven within the charts of people who have a very strong material 
internal role in the world at large. Moving on to the next part of this, we have the Midheaven and the Node as a combination. Within Uranian astrology, the nodes are referred to as the Node. And the reason for that is because in the system of astrology where we're only taking hard aspects, then the nodes are always going to be in hard aspect with each other. Therefore, we don't necessarily need to take both of them. The nodes in Uranian astrology represent connections because the nodes of the moon represent the crossing of the moon's orbital path with the ecliptic or the sun's orbital path from a geocentric earth-based perspective. We know that the moon's nodes are actually the crossing points of the earth's orbital path and the moon's orbital path from an actual objective heliocentric perspective. But the point is, we tend to practice geocentric astrology in the West. Therefore, we call the nodes the crossing of the moon's orbital path and the sun's orbital path. As a result of this, the nodes only mean one thing within Uranian astrology, and that is our intimate connections. Therefore, midheaven and node, with the midheaven representing our soul and the nodes representing our connections, midheaven and the nodes represent our soul connections. Sometimes we even refer to this as the combination for soulmates. And if you investigate your midheaven node midpoint, then chances are the planet that's standing on your midheaven node midpoint is going to be descriptive of very deep intimate spiritual connections that you've forged with other people within this lifetime, which is something that we can look for from a synastry perspective. It's something that we can look for from a romance within the chart perspective. It's just something that we can look for from the perspective of looking at what sort of intimate connections a person is going to establish within this lifetime. Now, since the midheaven is representing the soul and the node is representing our intimate connections, then the part of our constitution that is a spiritual intimate connection within ourselves could be referred to as our ethereal body or our astral body. So the midheaven node combination is also representing the non-tangible astral body that all of us have within this lifetime or the most spiritual part of our being. Moving on to the Midheaven Mercury. Midheaven Mercury is interesting because Midheaven Mercury has to do with my talks or my talking to myself. So Midheaven Mercury, if you have a person in your life who has Mercury conjunct their Midheaven, then they're probably a person who is completely fine talking to themselves. They're probably a person who is completely fine being in a monologue because chances are those people have this very deep and this very rich internal communication system going on within themselves that they don't really tire from the sound of their own voice, basically. So that is one way how the Midheaven Mercury can manifest. Midheaven Mercury can also manifest as someone who knows how to do very granular work and someone who knows how to do very granular work in a very quick and a very efficient way. That's another thing that we find with people who have the Midheaven Mercury combination. These could be people who talk for a living. They could talk within the context of their work and within their profession. All of these things are indicative of people who have the Midheaven and Mercury in hard aspect relationships to each other. 
Midhaven Mercury also has to do with people who are working within the communication industry. So journalists and broadcasters and radio show hosts and TV hosts. Having the Mercury conjunct the Midhaven could be something that we find within the charts of these people or having Mercury in hard aspects of the Midhaven as well. Now, Midheaven Mercury can make a person very opinionated, and as a result of that, sometimes they can make their circle around them smaller as a result of them holding on to opinions that are probably not necessarily the greatest opinions to have in the world. And it doesn't matter whether or not they're the greatest opinions to have in the world. The point is that those opinions belong to those people. And when people of Midheaven Mercury, they deeply identify with the opinions that they hold. This can also represent a lack of self-criticism or not being able to fully look at oneself and say, hey, you know, I think that I could have done that thing differently because the Midheaven Mercury creates a very insular way of thinking and it doesn't necessarily allow for much else other than that. So these are some of the drawbacks that we find when we do have the Midheaven Mercury in combination with each other. Now, from a physical perspective, the Midheaven-Mercury combination is representing our brain, our mind, our nervous system in general. And that's how that shows up biologically within us. Similarly, the Moon-Midheaven combination is representing our gut our digestive system, our stomach specifically, but the moon midheaven is also specifically representing the womb within the charts of women. So moon midheaven is representing the stomach as well as the womb, whereas mercury midheaven is representing our nervous system, our specific physical nervous system in general. So if we have afflictions to our Mercury Midheaven midpoint, then chances are we also have a nervous system that tends to be afflicted as well. Now, moving on to the next combination, which is the Midheaven Venus. Midheaven Venus is a very lovely combination, especially for people who work within the artistic field. And arts look like anything that allows us to make a more beautiful world around us, which is a part of why therapy and counseling also, in my opinion, deserves to be in the artistic realm of fields that Venus represents because Venus has to do with being a go-between between people and not the same way how Mercury represents being a go-between who just rallies or who just relays the message between people, but more so to be a go-between in terms of smoothing the path between people. A Mercury Midheaven person doesn't have the tactfulness to smooth the path between people. They just know how to relay the story that they've been given. Whereas a Venus Midheaven person is going to go out of their way to smooth the path that exists between the people who they're trying to create some system of mediation between because the Venusian person lives their lives as a work of art. So that is one type of art form. Other types of art form that we find manifested through the Venus Midheaven combination could be art in terms of visual art, performing art, musical arts, theatrical arts. All of these things also fall under the domain of Venus. Now, Venus Midheaven also has to do with our own hopes for love. Therefore, if we take one word from Venus, or rather one concept from Venus, and one concept from the Midheaven, the Midheaven represents my, and the Venus represents love sentiments. 
Therefore, Midheaven Venus has to do with our personal love sentiment. While I don't usually look at the Midheaven Venus midpoint within the context of investigating the topic of romance, from the perspective of the natal chart, it stands to reason that I should be looking at the Venus-Midheaven combination because Venus-Midheaven has to do with our desire for love, our desire for intimacy, our desire for romance. My specific relationship to relationships largely comes from the Venus-Midheaven combination. Venus Midheaven also has to do with feeling balanced in general, which is a part of why Venus Midheaven is corresponding with the pituitary gland within the human body. And the pituitary glands, to a very large degree, is controlling many of the vital functions that we have going on within our bodies, and it is largely responsible for helping us maintain a state of equilibrium and homeostasis, which, once again, we could say that the pituitary gland is playing a very large role in terms of maintaining an aesthetic sense of balance within us. So Venus Midheaven is also having to do with the pituitary gland from a biological perspective. Now moving on to the Mars Midheaven combination, Mars Midheaven has to do with our work. Our Martian word is work and our Midheaven word is my. So Mars Midheaven has to do with my specific work that I'm doing within this lifetime. My goals, my aims, my objectives, my ability to be independent, my ability to be a leader, my ability to be on the front line, my ability to not hide in the shadows. Mars Midheaven has to do with all of these things, which is why when people have their Mars in any sort of hard aspect to their Midheaven, they might naturally have this urge towards doing and becoming and creating and making and bringing something into being in the world around them. Mars Midheaven has to do with us being able to pull ourselves together and it also has to do with our overall readiness for action. So very often when people have Mars in a conjunction or in any sort of hard aspect combination with their Midheaven, there's this readiness to act or this readiness for war. I remember there was this show that used to come on Cartoon Network when I was growing up. It was called... I can't even remember what it was called, The Kids Next Door or something. And in one episode, they were trying to figure out what a bra was. And all of these guys realized that all of the girls were talking about bras or something to that effect. And so they snuck into one of the secret meetings with all of the girls one day and found out that bra meant battle-ready armor. So for them, it was all of the girls had this secret weapon and it was the bra, basically, because bra was their code name for battle-ready armor and it was this whole thing. Anyway, the point of the matter is that whenever we have Mars Midheaven, we could feel as if we are wearing battle-ready armor because we don't mind throwing ourselves in the line of fire in order to actually get the work done. So there's a very tactile, very physical thing that we find with Mars Midheaven, which is why Mars Midheaven is also corresponding biologically with our muscles within our physical body and the muscular power that all of us have to do and act within this lifetime. Now, since Mars Midheaven is corresponding with all of this, it also has to do with premature action or us acting hastily. Even though Mars is a god of war and therefore having some relationship to strategy, 
I think the strategy part of Mars is secondary to the action part of Mars. And therefore, very often when people have Mars midheaven, there can be a sense of wanting to act or wanting to do and wanting to act prematurely without actually assessing the situation or even thinking about the consequences that my actions will bring. So that's something that we find with the combination of Mars midheaven as well. It can be a very quarrelsome combination. It can also lead to disputes in general. However, the Mars midheaven combination is a combination of leadership. It is a combination for somebody standing out within their field as being a leader or as being a dominator within whatever field they're in. And Mars midheaven is good in terms of competition in general. So if you're a competitive person and you have Mars, in hard aspects to your midheaven or Mars directly conjunct your midheaven, then this is probably the reason or the place where this is rooted within your psyche. Now, the next combination that we have is Jupiter midheaven. Jupiter is a god of abundance and bliss and happiness and joy and commerce and exchange and all of these things. Therefore, when we have Jupiter midheaven, if we take our one midheaven word, which is my, and our one Jupiter word, which is abundance, then the Jupiter midheaven combination can represent our abundance within this lifetime. Which is why very often when people have Jupiter in a conjunction with their midheaven, they themselves feel highly optimistic. They feel as if things are going to work out for them. Even if those people don't have a dime to their name, they naturally carry this optimism within themselves, this lightheartedness within themselves, this visionary nature within themselves that allows them to see where they're going even if there is no evidence of those things manifesting within their lives. And very often when you have that going for yourself, it also can create a sense of being able to positively manifest whatever sorts of future you desire for yourself. Jupiter Midheaven is also a bit complicated because sometimes when we have Jupiter Midheaven, there's this unbridled way that we show up within the world and we don't know how to reel ourselves in. So Jupiter Midheaven can have to do with overpromising, overcommitting, being overly optimistic, overly placing our trust and our faith in others because we just trust that other people are going to be as upstanding as us. And sometimes that can lead to a sort of extravagance in living that isn't really justified. And for the Jupiterian person, they don't necessarily need to justify their extravagance in living because that is just a way of life for them. However, in the world where things cost money and in the world where there are always consequences for our actions, the Jupiterian person or the person who has Midheaven Jupiter needs to learn how to reel it in more often than not. Jupiter Midheaven also has to do with our specific attitude towards money, which is why very often Jupiter Midheaven is representing our specific wealth within this lifetime. If you have a planet that is directly conjunct or that is in some other way in hard aspect to your Jupiter Midheaven midpoint, that can possibly be indicative of one of the ways in which you are accessing wealth within this lifetime. And it could also possibly be indicative of one of the ways in which you're losing wealth within this lifetime. The Jupiter Midheaven combination is also a combination of generosity. 
And sometimes people are generous because they have a surplus from which to support other people around them. But other times people can just be generous without necessarily having the greatest sense of why they're being generous, if they have the ability to be generous, and if their generosity is built on them actually connecting to the cause that they're being generous with, or if they're just being generous because that is how they move through the world in general. So sometimes when we have Jupiter midheaven, we do need to have more discretionary awareness about ourselves so that we aren't overcommitting, overpromising, and overdoing things in general that we probably would have done differently if we approached the world with a greater spirit of sobriety. So that's the Jupiter midheaven combination. Because we know that Jupiter is our greater benefic from a traditional astrology perspective, Jupiter Midheaven bestows good health on all of us. So it's a lovely combination from the perspective of being able to avoid very large health challenges or very large health crises because Jupiter Midheaven is a combination that tends to bestow a very good or a very high amount of health on all of us when we have this in hard aspect within our charts. The next planet that we have is Saturn Midheaven. Saturn Midheaven is a very depressive combination. Saturn Midheaven is a combination of hindrances and depression and responsibility and feeling as if the entire weight of the world is falling on our shoulders. Very often when we're having Saturn Midheaven, even if we don't have Saturn in direct hard aspect to the ruler of our ascendant or even in hard aspect to anything else, if we have Saturn Midheaven, we can tend to show up in the world in more of a heavier, lethargic, pessimistic state. Saturn Midheaven is a combination that we find within the charts of people who have a chronic ongoing depression, or people who tend to be self-deprecating, or people who tend to not think that they're worthy for very much in life. Because Saturn Midheaven makes us feel as if, if I haven't earned it, then I'm not necessarily worth it, which could be a very challenging thing because there is a lot in life that we don't necessarily have to earn. We shouldn't have to earn the love and the affection of our parents. We shouldn't have to earn the love and the affection of our friends and of our community. And okay, maybe our conduct is how we earn love and affection from these people. But the point of the matter is there are some things that should just be ours from the perspective of being human beings. Love, affection, respect, care, all of these things should just be part and parcel of what it means for all of us to be human beings within this lifetime. However, very often when we have the Saturn Midheaven combination, it makes us feel as if I have to kill what I eat within every sphere of my life, which means I have to earn my meals within every sphere of my life. Now, this can make someone a very hard worker. It can make someone a person who loves the thought of getting up and digging their heels into the work that they have in the front of them, but it can also create a very exhausted personality, and it can also create a very taxed and a very overburdened personality because for that person, to a very large extent, a lot of the softness or the sweetness of life may be missing from their personal experience. So someone's asking in the chat, what orb do I use? When it comes to traditional astrological aspects, 
I tend to use a five to a seven degree orb in general. So for all of these planetary combinations, when we're talking about the midheaven, you could think of using a five to seven degree orb in general. However, when we're talking about midpoints, for example, such as having a planet on our Saturn midheaven midpoint, we tend to only use a one degree orb for midpoints and sometimes even less. So the point of the matter is that in general, the tighter the orb, the stronger the aspect, period, and also the tighter the orb, the stronger the aspect. I think that's the most important takeaway we can gain, especially the tighter the orb as far as hard aspects are concerned. When it comes to soft aspects, soft aspects tend to be more facilitative, meaning they don't get in the way of things, whereas hard aspects tend to be more causal, meaning they actually create the circumstances for specific concrete events to unfold within our lives. And very often when we look at the chart, the soft aspects tend to be the background noise. The hard aspects between celestial factors more specifically represents the concrete realities of what those factors indicate within the life of that person. Soft aspects facilitate things in happening, hard aspects cause things to happen. You might have transiting Jupiter in the trine relationship to your natal ascendant and nothing happens, but when you have Jupiter in a conjunction, opposition, square, semi-square, sesquiquadrate to your natal ascendant, that's when you choose to get up and go on a long vacation or a long voyage around the world. Soft aspects facilitate, hard aspects create which is a Michael Bryan original. So the Midheaven Saturn is wonderful from the perspective of us being able to take on more responsibility on our shoulders. If you have Midheaven Saturn, you were probably born into a life where people said things to you like, oh my God, you're so mature. Oh, you're wise beyond your years. All of these things because the world thrusted you into positions where you naturally had to take on more responsibility on your shoulders from a young age. This is very wonderful from a managerial perspective. It's very wonderful for people who know that they are the glue of their organization. And as a result of that, they do have to keep the organization together. All of these things are good. And I think the challenging thing with the Saturn is that the Saturn can create a state of loneliness and isolation. And the Saturn can also create a sense of us being restrained or us having too many duties on our shoulders. So that's something else that we see with the Midheaven-Saturn combination. Midheaven-Saturn, from a medical astrology perspective, has to do with the things that depress our health in general. So Midheaven-Saturn has to do with the feeling of getting sick. We could take our one Saturn word, which is heaviness, and we can take our one midheaven word, which is my, and that becomes a combination for my specific heaviness or my specific burdens or my specific hindrances within this lifetime. And more often than not, the hindrances that we find coming from Saturn tends to be hindrances of our physical bodies. Because Saturn is representing our bones and our skeletal structure in general, Midheaven Saturn can also be representative of our skeletal health. 
And when I say midheaven Saturn, I'm not just referring to the midheaven floating around within your birth chart and Saturn floating around within your birth chart. I'm referring to this combination of stellar influences as a specific midpoint. So if you want to learn more about how to work with midpoints within your astrology, which I highly support you doing, and I highly suggest you learn how to do, then you can join us in our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this January 2024, because that's when we learn not just how to interpret the combinations of two planetary factors working together, but that's also where we learn how to interpret these combinations when they show up within various midpoint structures. So everything that I said about midheaven Saturn applies. It has to do with slowing down. It has to do with us being more ponderous. It has to do with us feeling deserted. The midheaven Saturn can be a bit of a tricky thing, but it definitely shows that if we're placed in a role of authority or if we're placed in a role of responsibility, this is one of the indications that we will definitely show up for our responsibilities and for our work which is probably a little bit challenging as well because being a midheaven Saturn person can indicate that we are emotionally inhibited. And I think being a Saturnian person in general can represent our emotional inhibitions or our emotional hindrances, or it can say that we don't really have the most emotional intelligence in the world because the emotional life of who we are as people doesn't necessarily correspond with Saturn as a planet. So Saturn tends to focus on the details, but very often we lose our humanity when we focus just on the details themselves. So the midheaven-Saturn combination can be something that sterilizes us in a sense, not just from the perspective of our reproductive capacity, but also from the perspective of it causing us to move through the world in a more sterile surgical way that causes us to not necessarily take into consideration the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings of people around us which could be a wonderful thing if you are a manager and you have to focus on the bottom line, but it can be a very cruel and a harsh thing, especially when brought into intimate relationships. Sometimes midheaven Saturn people, and I dare say sometimes Saturnian people in general, they know how to do all of the things that represent love, but they don't actually know how to express love. They know how to buy you the house and the car and put a roof over your head and make sure that you have an allowance so that you can put food on the table. But when it comes down to saying, I love you, and genuinely meaning it from a deep, vulnerable place, when it comes down to saying, you matter to me, I care about you, and saying things that soften some of that showing up and turns it into more of a sense of a human relationship, those things can be a bit elusive to the person with the midheaven Saturn and to people who are very overly Saturnian in general. It can show up as, I can do all of the responsibilities, I can do all of the work, I can clean up your feces if you are sick in the hospital and you need somebody to change your diapers, but I'm probably going to struggle when it comes to telling you I love you which is a stressful thing because we would assume that the person cleaning up our feces when we're in the hospital bed in diapers is doing it from a place of love and care and consideration, but sometimes we might see all of the evidence of that care without actually hearing words 
that justify or words that confirm that that care exists within our lives. And you might be saying, well, hearing people say they love you is a first world problem because at least you have a warm meal on the table. Be that as it may, the reality is it's nice to actually hear that we are loved from people within our lives and chances are the Midheaven Saturn situation could not be the most responsive in that sort of way. It's wonderful for doing the things that represent love, but not necessarily wonderful from actually articulating love in words. Next up, we have the Midheaven Uranus. And Midheaven Uranus has to do with my speed. And so people who have Midheaven Uranus are the consummate multitaskers. They want to work in the sales industry. They want to work in an industry where they're having to go door to door. They don't want to sit down behind a desk 24-7. They don't want to feel as if they're bound to this material world in a way that prevents them from moving. They want to be flight attendants. They want to work on the cruise ship. They want to be airplane pilots. They want to move. When you have Midheaven Uranus, it creates a sense of wanting to get out and go and be in the world and do all of the things because Midheaven Uranus has to do with my desire to move, my desire to be mobile, my desire not to be held back, basically. All of these things are what we find with the Midheaven Uranus combination. Midheaven Uranus is also tending to be similar to a Mars midheaven combination and i think it's worth noting that one of our glyphs of uranus actually looks a lot like mars it looks like mars with the circle at the bottom with the dot in the middle for the sun and with the arrow pointing upward and so there is this very close relationship between mars and uranus in general so very often people who are having the midheaven uranus are people who are asserting themselves strongly or showing up within the world and speaking their mind and speaking their independent truth without necessarily taking into consideration the impact that has on other people around them. That's also a very Uranian sort of thing to do, but it could also represent that that person could find themselves being a little bit edgy at times and always on edge and always waiting for the next ball to drop because the midheaven Uranus is a hypervigilance and not necessarily a hypervigilance, but midheaven Uranus is a hyperreactivity. So there's a sense of that person always being on the edge of their seat to react to something or to say something or to assert themselves or to do something because that can be how the Midheaven Uranus is manifesting. Midheaven Uranus people also tend to be very counterculture. So I dare say this is also an astrologer's signature because of the ways in which astrology also tends to be a countercultural endeavor. So Midheaven Uranus is representing our ability to access revolutionary thinking, our ability to access a way of thinking that's out of the box, that completely catches people off guard. And Midheaven Uranus also has to do with our ability to see beyond where we currently are. And as a result of that, that can make a Uranian person be an outcast or an outsider in society because Everybody else can see the same thing, but you can see something different. And even if what you're seeing is something amazing and wonderful and creative and divine, and even if it does represent the next evolutionary step that humanity should take, 
if you have midheaven uranus chances are you're probably expressing that in a way that doesn't actually give people the sort of time and space to assimilate what you've said correctly and that can sometimes create more friction and tension within relationships than what is necessarily necessary midheaven uranus is also a combination of sudden decision making and we know that sudden decision making very often leads us down the wrong direction it's explosive and even though some people make decisions suddenly and they land on something amazing for the most part when we're making decisions suddenly we end up making more mistakes or we end up getting in more accidents than we actually end up doing something that feels very stable and solid within us so that's something to know as a result of this midheaven uranus while it isn't necessarily indicative of anything within the physical body per se Midheaven Uranus could have to do with a sense of nervousness or a sense of nervous tension and anxiety that we hold within ourselves. It has to do with this hyper reactivity as well, which can also be based on a more anxiety prone part of ourselves. It's also the combination of impatience and some of the things that we unleash within our lives as a result of our own impatience. So there can be something very compulsive about Uranus with the Midheaven, but this is also part of what makes it so electric and so exciting to be around as well. So all of the planets have things about them that are really, really great. And they also have things about them that are really, really not great. Midheaven Saturn, responsibility you're going to show up and feed your family midheaven uranus excitement you're probably not going to show up to feed your family but you'll probably send them money in the mail because you want to go out into the world and be your own person and be your own independent agent within this lifetime so everything has a positive side and a negative side and whenever it comes to interpreting how a planetary combination is manifesting within someone's life we also need to see all of the other things happening within their chart as well which i think is very important because we can't just look at one thing within an astrological chart and derive the entirety of meaning regarding what's occurring within that person's life which is a part of why i'm so anti signs of the zodiac and it's also part of why i'm so anti this oversimplification of the human soul and psyche and really rooting that within the sun sign or even the sun and moon sign or even the sun moon and rising sign because when we focus on these broad categories that whittles us down to 12 signs of the zodiac we cut off a much larger technical nuanced part of ourselves that actually is where the depth of meaning regarding who we are resides so the point of the matter is that we need to understand planets and how they communicate with each other because only understanding the signs of the zodiac just doesn't cut it it shouldn't cut it within the 21st century and it truthfully never cut it before the 21st century and we really need to do better as an astrological community at speaking more of a planetary based language in general so the point with this is midheaven uranus is an interesting combination it can be a combination for premature activity it can be a combination for irate 
attitudes or being somebody with a very short fuse, but it's also a wonderful combination for somebody with a sparkling personality, somebody who can see revolutionary paths forward, somebody who knows what to do, not because they've studied the map and therefore know what to do, but because they're connected to something electric that exists within this universe that serves as their internal guidance system that specifically lets them know what their true north is at all times. And so we look at these people, and on the one hand, they're annoying because they fall down, but they always seem to fall in such a way whereas they fall in a pot of gold or they fall on a good experience, or they fall in a way where they don't necessarily seem to suffer the same sort of consequences as the rest of us around them, but we also look at those people for inspiration and for insight and for some sense of how we ourselves should also move towards futurity. Next up, second to last, wow, 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 we did it. And I hope these videos stay on YouTube forever and ever, even after I die so that the people can have this information. So the next combination is the Midheaven-Neptune combination. I'll tell you all the good things about it first. Midheaven-Neptune is something that we find within the charts of pharmacists. It's something that we find within the charts of marine biologists. People who work with water in general, Midheaven-Neptune is kind of the combination that we find within that. It has to do with working within watery chemical professions. I don't personally feel as if Midheaven Neptune specifically has to do with working within the medical industry, even though that could be a thing as well. But more often, what we find with people who are working within medicine specifically, at least from a Uranian astrology perspective, at least from my Uranian astrology perspective, is we find something like the Neptune node within their chart, Neptune having to do with sick people, node having to do with intimate connections. So Neptune node representing sick people within my lifetime and the midheaven on top of that, midheaven equals Neptune node could be that I am interacting with sick people within my environment. Now the catch 22 with that is that we have to see other things going on within their charts because very often the chart of the doctor who's always in the hospital also looks very similar to the chart of the patient who's always in the hospital. So we have to see other things going on within their chart to see what side of the spectrum that person is falling on. But in general, Midheaven Neptune is wonderful for working within chemical-based industries such as the pharmaceutical industry in general. On the more seamier side of life, Midheaven Neptune has to do with swindlers and drug dealers and people who are evading the law or something to that effect because that's also part of the Neptunian structure of concepts. Neptune has to do with this nebulous, amorphous sense of reality. And sometimes when we have a nebulous, amorphous sense of reality, we also can't tell the truth. And so it has to do with people who lie for a living. And I'm not going to descend into the cultural stereotype that we have in the Bahamas that says that lawyers lie for a living because Midheaven Neptune isn't something that we find within the charts of lawyers, unless in fact they are lying for a living, which is something else entirely. But the Midheaven Neptune combination has to do with swindlers. It has to do with people who are evading the law. It has to do with people who are embezzling or getting one over on the system in general, because that's the more challenging side of the Midheaven Neptune combination. Now, Midheaven Neptune is something that we do find within the chart 
of people who are therapists. That can be a very wonderful thing to do. It's also something we find within the charts of people who are healers, people who are working within the spiritual healing industry in general. I think the challenge with this is that when you have Neptune conjunct your midheaven or even Neptune in hard aspect to your midheaven, it creates an overage of sensitivity within yourself. And that sensitivity, it makes you a wonderful healer and a wonderful psychic. But that sensitivity can sometimes be a problem. And I think the problem with that sensitivity is that you don't know how to turn it off. And therefore, you move into the world and your entire body is this porous thing and you easily pick up the germs, whether those germs are physical germs or whether those germs are psychic germs floating around within the air around you. You easily pick up the thoughts and the emotions of others. You easily pick up the junk. And so having Midheaven Neptune could be a challenging thing, especially in terms of people finding their own sense of direction in life because the midheaven neptune can also make somebody a chameleon whereas they know how to shape shift and they know how to be whatever they're needed to be in a particular moment but when we're always shape shifting it can make it very difficult for us to specifically pinpoint what we're meant to be doing within this lifetime and so midheaven neptune sometimes manifests within the charts of people who are very deeply uncertain about what their purpose is what their role is what they're meant to be doing within this lifetime and even when we look at the glyph of neptune the glyph of neptune has the crescent of the moon as well as the cross of the earth the cross represents the earth element wherever we find that within the planets the cross is representing the earth and the crescent is always representing the moon but from an esoteric perspective the moon is representing a field of infinite possibility that exists within our cosmos and this is something that i wrote about profusely within my book mastering traditional astrology a depth of beginning in the celestial art in the chapter on the hermetic philosophy of our pre-cosmos the moon represents a sense of everlastingness and also a field of unbridled potential and possibility. When we allow the cross of matter, which represents the most densest form of creation, to pass through and to essentially be dissolved in the crescent of the moon, it creates a sense of the disillusionment of all of the forms of stability that we know within our lives in general. So Midheaven Neptune can be someone who lives their lives in a very dissolute state. That can be someone who lives their lives without necessarily having the clearest sense of what they're meant to do, where they're meant to be, how they're meant to show up, how they're meant to manifest. And so that person can have a multitude of odd jobs, none of which have a specific relationship with each other because they find it difficult to really pinpoint who they're meant to be within this lifetime. So Midheaven Neptune is something that we find within the charts of the eternal seeker. And sometimes those people gravitate towards things such as religion or spirituality because giving myself over to religion and spirituality represents a much healthier thing for me to get lost in than giving myself over to alcohol or drug abuse. However, very often these people do have a very sensitive constitution and Midheaven Neptune can also indicate somebody giving themselves over to an alcoholism or a drug use in general. So we tend to want to tell these people to stay away from those things within their lives. 
I think the greatest part of the Midheaven Neptune is that it gives somebody a sense of not necessarily existing in a singular way within this lifetime. And so therefore, those people, they do want to have devotion to something much larger than themselves. They do want to dissolve the specific parameters that define and demarcate who they are from who somebody else is. And they do want to exist in that and swim within that nebulous place so they have a more universalized understanding of themselves. So the person who has midheaven Neptune is definitely living their lives in general with a sense of religiosity and it's giving them a broader sense of what they want to connect to. Within everything, there is some level of opposition. And the issue with having such a broad sense of yourself is that it can give you a lack of self-confidence because you don't necessarily feel as if your specific agenda or as if your specific ego consciousness is valid enough to stand within the world on its own terms. And there can be a sense of you yourself dissolving and of you yourself wanting to become a part of something much larger than you because you don't know how to speak from your own self-experiences. And that could sometimes be a challenge as well, but we're not going to overly psychoanalyze this. The point of the matter is the Midheaven Neptune has its positives, it also has its negatives, and it's worthwhile to figure out where you stand on that spectrum if you are someone who has the Midheaven and Neptune in hard aspect combination. From a medical astrology perspective, Midheaven Neptune can represent things within our body that don't necessarily have a specific origin, as in we can't pinpoint where the issue comes from because it feels as if it's such a widespread issue within us. So that's one way how the Midheaven Neptune manifests. Midheaven Neptune, one Midheaven word is my, one Neptune word is sickness. Midheaven Neptune can also represent our specific relationship to sickness within this lifetime. And therefore, it's another thing that I specifically look for when it comes to medical astrology assessment. One more thing I think is very lovely about Midheaven Neptune is that it also represents my dreams or my ability to work with dreams. I personally work with dreams quite a bit. I do a lot of astrological dream work. I do a lot of lucid dream work. And so my dream life for me just as developed as my waking life to a very large degree. And so Midheaven Neptune can also represent somebody who has the ability to dream in a very vivid and a very lucid sort of way. And as a result of that, they understand the landscape of dreams far better than other people. And they can bring those dreams to reality within the world around them in a very positive way. So I think Walt Disney, and I never reference the charts of celebrities, but I do think that Walt Disney had a very strong Midheaven Neptune connection, whether within his chart or by declination. And we see that he created a world of fantasy that existed within himself for other people to also participate in. So Midheaven Neptune has its positive sides. It also has its challenging sides. And it's good for us to have multiple ways of looking at this combination. We have Midheaven Pluto as being our final planetary combination. I'm not sure when it happened, but at some point since Pluto's discovery in the year 1930 until now, 
Pluto has become associated with this concept of fate and with this concept of destiny, which is why the Pluto node connection is oftentimes representing fated connections or very powerful spiritual connections that we have within our lives or that we form within our lives that are meant to transform the entire shape of our lives forever. That's something we find with the Pluto node connection. And I think in general, very often when we look at the midheaven and Pluto in connection, it represents this intersection between our personal lives and a larger system of destiny that our specific lives is meant to plug into. If we had to take one Plutonian word, we could use my favorite Plutonian word, which is initiation or metamorphosis. And we can take one midheaven word, which is my. And when we bring midheaven and Pluto together, we get my initiation or my metamorphosis. And so midheaven and Pluto in combination, it oftentimes represents periods of extreme evolution that occur within our lives, where it feels as if our lives are being catapulted or pushed from one period of initiation into another period of initiation. And it can feel as if life happens to us very quickly. It can feel as if we are forced to grow because Pluto represents forced growth as well as abnormal growth as well. So sometimes when we have midheaven Pluto, it can feel as if we are forced to grow. We are forced to mature. We are forced to evolve. We're forced to pass through the various stages of life very quickly because we are forced to show up in the world in a particular way that holds more power and therefore we need to know that we can hold the sort of power that's being thrusted onto us. Very often when people have the midheaven-pluto combination, they navigate the fine line between powerlessness as well as power. And within their earlier lives, they could have experienced a sense of great overarching powerlessness within many of their connections and therefore they grow up to reclaim a sense of personal power in terms of what they find themselves doing professionally. When we find people who are representing authorities or very famous people or the masters of their fields, those people very oftentimes have hard aspect combinations between the midheaven and Pluto. And the reason for that is because the Pluto story, it sets a person up to have such a great level of adversity within their earlier lives that they vow to themselves that they will attain the highest success. They vow to themselves that they will attain the highest mastery. They vow to themselves that they will become the specialist within their industry who nobody else can hold a candle next to. So that's something that we oftentimes find when people have the midheaven Pluto in combination. It represents a desire to be important. And very often that desire to be important is rooted within a larger feeling within their youth of not having importance or of not having a sense of social esteem or of not being able to be seen fully by others around them. So the midheaven Pluto is a very strong combination, it's a very potent combination, and it's also something that can be a bit overwhelming for people because it sets that person up 
to have such a huge level of stress within their lives and within themselves to excel and to be the shining star within whatever arena they find themselves in, that it could feel like an overbearing taskmaster operating within myself that isn't really allowing me to rest because I have to be the best. So that's something that we find with the Midheaven and the Pluto combination. I think another part of this that's important to talk about is that Pluto can sometimes represent the greatest hindrances within our lives. If you have Pluto in your 10th house, whether Pluto is conjunct your midheaven or not, if you have Pluto within your 10th house and at the same time the ruler of your 10th house is doing very poorly within your chart, say for example the ruler of your 10th house is Mercury in Pisces, retrograde, conjunct the south node in your 12th house, then instead of that Pluto pushing you in the direction of becoming the best and attaining a large level of public recognition and success, that Pluto can represent the largest hindrance that you find manifesting in your life that serves as a sense of a cosmic blockade towards your ability to manifest a high level of achievement or success within this lifetime. So sometimes when people have Midheaven Pluto, especially when the ruler of their 10th house is doing poorly elsewhere within their chart, it can represent a sense of being blocked from a high level of career attainment or from a high level of career achievement by some forces far greater than yourself. And you look around and you see people who are far less intelligent than you running circles around you and able to attain their highest height within this lifetime. And then it begins to seem as if, wait, it isn't a matter of me not knowing enough, but it feels as if there's actively something standing in my way from a cosmic perspective that isn't allowing me to move beyond this point or that isn't allowing me to grow beyond this very real and rigid ceiling that I find myself pressing against. So Pluto represents both these things. Pluto can represent abnormal growth, but Pluto can also represent a feeling as if the gods themselves are standing in the way of that particular area of our lives manifesting. And we may not understand why. And I think that this is probably the most stressful part of Pluto in general, it's that when Pluto moves through from a negative perspective, it creates such a blockade that is exaggerated within our lives that we don't understand why. Why is it I can't make more money than $10,000 a year? Why is it no matter how many odd jobs I do or no matter how many additional things I add to my plate, I still just make $10,000 a year? Why is it I can't get pregnant again? There is nothing wrong with me from a physical perspective that's standing in the way of that occurring. I have healthy eggs. I have a healthy womb. I have healthy sperm from my partner. What is going on that's getting in the way of me actually being able to successfully manifest this part of my life? Why is it every house I enter has mold? And no matter where I go or what I do or how I change or how much I move myself to the desert, I still find myself on a pipeline and the mold ends up back in my house. So there's this feeling when it comes to Pluto of there being this large, larger cosmic story 
which at times can feel like a larger cosmic injustice, which at times can feel like a larger cosmic comedy that's getting in the way of us being successful within the various areas of our lives. So Pluto works in two ways, abnormal growth as well as abnormal shrinkage. And we want to see what else is going on within our charts so that we can see how the Pluto piece is manifesting for us within this lifetime. Now, the last thing that I have to say about the Pluto combination is that Pluto, as we know, sometimes people who are powerless within their youth, they grow up to become abusers of power. So we want to be mindful that as we move through the lives of people, especially if we are midheaven Pluto people, that we're not abusing our power professionally as a means of proving some sort of invisible point to ourselves that actually is damaging to others around us. So I think that that's a very important piece for us to bear in mind. And from a medical astrology perspective, Midheaven Pluto is representing the willingness for us to go into the underworld. And for a lot of people, going into the underworld could oftentimes be getting a surgery. It could feel like I'm going to get this surgery and this surgery is something that is going to transform the shape of my life forever. But Midheaven Pluto can oftentimes manifest as a desire for a surgical intervention or the willingness to go through a process of surgery in order to begin a larger process of healing and metamorphosis within our lives. So while that doesn't necessarily point towards a specific medical condition, it does point towards a courageousness within us to begin a larger healing process by first going through a process that could feel like the valley of the shadow of death. So these are the ways how Midheaven and Pluto manifests in combination with each other. And these are the ways in which all of our planets, our seven classical planets, as well as our modern planets of Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto manifest when brought in relation with the Midheaven. Thank you so much for joining us here for this free live lecture on planetary pairs in which we went through everything that you could possibly need to know about the midheaven as a singular factor within your chart. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed this and if you want to be a part of these free live recordings then you could check out our website at www.araculosastrology.com. Go to our upcoming events tab and sign up for these events because we're going to be doing this for at least the next 16 weeks, I imagine. And also we're doing this in preparation for our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive. So if you are a practicing astrologer and you want to start practicing astrology in a more concrete, accurate, and prediction-oriented way in which you can give more powerful readings to your clients, then by all means join us in our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrology intensive where I will be going through everything you need to know in order to master this understanding of what it means for planets to work together and what it means for planets to communicate even if you don't want to be a Uranian astrologer but you just want to develop a deeper system of understanding how to work with aspects between planets in your own astrological practice then this intensive is something that you don't want to miss because that's all we're going to be talking about within the first semester of this course is how planets interact with each other 
through their specific aspect relationships. And while we'll specifically be focusing on the hard aspect relationships between planets, at the end of the day, if you understand the hard aspect relationships between planets from a Uranian astrology perspective, you understand all the ways in which planets interact with each other. So please do check out the link down below in the description box so that you can join us in our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this January 30th. 2024. And as always, if you haven't already subscribed to the Oraculos podcast, please take a moment, stop what you're doing, go down below and hit the subscription button as well as hit the notification bell so that you can receive notifications of when we come out with these episodes on a daily basis. And also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, leaving you in peace and love and hope. Until we meet again, have a good one. Bye-bye.